support for today's show from Hotel Tonight, an awesome app for finding and booking great deals at great hotels. No crashing under air mattress in your childhood bedroom this year. Instead, lock down your holiday plans with Hotel Tonight. Book a room for up to seven days in advance everywhere and up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities. Or wait until the last minute if that's more your speed. You can make a break when Uncle Tony starts talking politics. Whether you need a room tonight, the holidays, or beyond, you definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Burney. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from the Ringer.com, Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, a.k.a. Kevin O'Comment, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber. <laughs> Kevin! Bruno! What's going on? <laughs> Mr. Los Angeles, I understand. Uh, you are we'll uh, in L.A., huh? <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> I am in L.A. right now. Are you I moving? Guess. That's true. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I could be. Do you like the sun? Yeah, I love the sun, man. I, I you know, there's a well, lot of then, people out here that be like, oh, you know, I wish there were four seasons. It's like, no, man, you don't want three feet of snow. You just don't. I hope you don't lose your edge, Kevin. I'd hate for you to move to Los Angeles and, and lose your edge. Next uh, thing I know, you're surfing. <laughs> I got a lot of steps to to move my way up to surfing, that's for sure, when it comes to the water. Right? So. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what's been going on in the NBA. The story of last night was you have this you have this situation where the Pelicans are up big on the Warriors at halftime. They end up losing that game, but the two biggest stories that come out one, which was uh, less big than the other, Kevin Durant getting thrown out for a third time, a third ejection, unbelievably. Uh, but more importantly, Stephen Curry going down with which what a lot of people uh. thought was a big scare uh, when he turns his ankle. As we know, at the beginning of his career, he had had uh, real ankle problems, but the ankle gets hurt last night. Uh, who knows how long Golden State, at least as time of recording for us, is going to be without Steph Curry. But thoughts on uh, what we take away from that taking place last night and what the Warriors in their current form will look like if they have to make it without Curry for some time, which you'd imagine they will, considering he was on crutches last night and they usually don't do that for fun. My reaction when that happened last night, Chris, was pretty much when Michael Scott was just like, no, no, no! <laughs> Seeing Steph Curry after the game on crutches, that was that was disappointing, man. I mean, it reminded me in a way of like a couple years back or more than a couple years back when he was just having ankle injury after ankle injury. Um, that's the way it looked. And it, it just seems like the type of thing that hopefully it doesn't linger. That's the concern. I mean, if, if he gets to 100%, ultimately, I mean, really, what does it matter? If he gets to 100%, but if this becomes a lingering issue or or it just kind of restarts ankle issues for him, that's scary, right? Because I think anybody who watches Golden State will say, obviously, KD and Steph Curry are the most important pieces on that offense. Um, you could argue Draymond is, is more important than them overall when you consider defense. But look, Steph... Steph is the guy that really makes that team happen, him and KD. So if you lose him for a time in the regular season, doesn't matter. But going into the playoffs, if anything happens with his ankles, then it's concerning. But right now, I'm not too worried about it. I would say that in terms of just with the way that team is constructed, in terms of guys they could least afford to, afford to lose for the long run or for an extended amount of time, Draymond to me is the clear number one. Overall, in terms of Yeah, it, okay. it, well, given what else they have in the front court. Okay. Is Dre really like number one? Yes. In terms of importance, I think, like, when I said that, I was almost thinking like, "Oh shit, I shouldn't have said that." No, <laughs> but they lose their edge without him. I don't they think lose he's one, edge. but I, I can see why people would make that point. You're right; the, he has the edge, the intangibles, and defense is so damn important. Let's not get over obsessed with scoring. Um, I, I mean, I'd put Steph and Katie one and two easily over Draymond, but at the same time, I can understand the point. Because here's the thing: let me make the argument. I believe this wholeheartedly that he's the one they cannot lose. And the reason I believe that is because he brings things to the table that I do not believe are easily replaced by the others. In the end, if Kevin Durant goes down, 
yes, you are taking some rebounding off the table and you are taking some uh, and you're take, certainly taking scoring off the table. But it's not as if Steph Curry and Clay Thompson cannot take more shots. Right. Like that. They, they can do that. Like and they did. They we saw them without Kevin Durant for an extended amount of time last year. That's and true. they were just fine. Yeah. It is what Draymond brings to the table in terms of being that heart and soul of the team, uh, the heartbeat of the team as well as like I said, all that intangibles, the fire, the defensive tenacity, the being able to switch and guard everybody from guards all the way to bigs. You don't have anybody else on the roster that can do that. At least a percentage uh, of what you lose from the other guys. K- KD can. He did it in the, he did it in the playoffs last season though. KD when they put him at the 5. I know he's not going to be able to do it for the minutes over 30 minutes per game like Draymond does, but KD did show that he can at least play some 5 for you. I mean, I forget the quote exactly, but Draymond Green said something along the lines of you know, in game four or five, I want to say, I forget when it was exactly, but he said, you know, when I'm off the floor, it's not often that you have a better backup center. And he was referring to Kevin Durant. And, and that's kind of what Golden State's able to do in playoff situations. But, you know, you're right. Like, you do you do lose a lot because you're not going to play KD at the five for 35 minutes per game. Um, but I think may- maybe, like, then you do have Jordan Bell, Kevon Looney, JaVale McGee. You can play those guys to kind of replenish what you might lose if Draymond were theoretically out. Well, and with Steph, you know, if we're just talking the if we're just talking the traditional numbers, it's 26 points, it's five rebounds, it's six and a half assists every night. Very, very difficult to replace, especially given the percentages that he shoots uh, from the field and from three-point range I mean he does it efficiently and I mean those are those are all real numbers 26 five and six and a half that obviously they are without and somebody's got to pick up the slack on those oh for sure and I mean that's that's going to be the interesting thing here I mean maybe maybe you'll see Kevin Durant take on a little bit more playmaking maybe you'll see Clay continue to do more of it Andre Iguodala obviously will get elevated or Sean Livingston as well it's an interesting wrinkle for the season. Uh, I just hope Steph's able to get back healthy. Uh, I hope that they're extremely patient with his injury, um, regardless of how long he's supposed to be out. Get him to 100%, because the last thing you want is for this to be an issue that flares up again at the end of the, end of the regular season, because that would be the worst possible uh, scenario for them. But I'm not, I, I don't know, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, I, do you kind of feel the same as I do, where it's like, yes, it sucks now for Golden State, and maybe for other teams it's like, great, it's a little bit more interesting. Um, but for Golden State, it's really just about getting him to 100% or as close as humanly possible. I would say my initial reaction is that if they ha- they are without him for an extended amount of time, they will not win at some kind of insane clip, as they usually do, and that that would be great news for Houston, who has recently looked rather unstoppable. In And, and maybe in the end, it is a... I don't want to say meaningless, but it is it's a one seed, but it's like Boston having the one seed last year. Like in the end, them having the one seed uh, instead of Cleveland didn't make all that much difference. Whereas Houston's way better, though. No, but you do wonder you do you do wonder if it makes if that would make a radical difference in the end. If if you said we're going to look up at the end of the year and. Let's just say San Antonio is not in that mix, even though I believe that they could absolutely be in that mix. But let's say they're not. Let's say they're not. Um, that's the other thing, too. All right, so right now, Kev, here's the, here's the two things on this. All right, number one, the one seed, and does that even matter? Because, I mean, we have seen – I mean, we've seen the Warriors get beat with literally the highest stakes in on their home floor. We saw – uh, Houston, with their season on the line, get absolutely bludgeoned by a Kawhi-less uh, uh, San Antonio Spurs team. So it is hard for me to say home court advantage is what's going to decide this. But I do think for either of those two teams, it appears to me that if you get the one seed now, unlike any year we have seen in I don't know how long – your draw is going to be infinitely easier because whoever gets that two or the three 
in my opinion, will face San Antonio. And that's what they're going to have to get through uh, in that second round. Whenever they move on to that second round. I mean, as of today, the four seed is Portland. They're 13 and 10. They go on a three-game losing streak, which is not out of the question. (laughs) They would be 500. They've lost two in a row now at the time we're recording. Okay, so the difference between, you know, three and then everybody else, to me, is just so massive that I think that's where it would matter, that if this does dictate who could get the first and the second seed, that the reason that matters is not necessarily home court advantage between those two teams, but rather having to stay away from San Antonio and and not meet them until a Western Conference Finals rather than in the second round, which is what you would more than likely do if you're two or three. See what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, oh, for sure. And, you know, that's why that's why seeding is ultimately, you know, so important. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, you know, the actual home court advantage might not matter as much as people think it is. I know Tom Haverstrow wrote an article on ESPN a couple years back, maybe 2015 or 2016, about the decline in, in, in home home court win percentage. Um, I believe it looked at the regular season, but there might have been some uh information on the playoffs as well and look i mean it doesn't matter as much but at the same time i think any edge you get is valuable and i would also tell you that on a night in night it but like if we just go back to the whole draymond thing i get that kd played backup center or whatever that's not a night in night out thing that's a we're look who we're playing against thing we can do this we can pull this off and it's just fine but night in night out you don't want to have to line him up as a as a five man. That's why I think that you know you look up and down that roster and say there ain't really enough. To, there ain't nothing to replace Draymond. And if the option is, hey, take our small forward and make him play center, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it doesn't leave you a lot. Anyways, hopefully, I think uh, we're all hopeful that uh, Steph Curry is out a little while rather than a long while. We have seen now as this season has progressed and we are about 20-something games into it, uh, mid-20s is what most of these teams have played so far. Like I said, that massive separation, I believe, uh, that has gone on between San Antonio and then whoever is four. And right now it's like the four-seed Blazers who are 13-10 and and the five-seed Denver Nuggets who obviously have lost Paul Millsap who are 13-10. and And the Timberwolves, who are 14-11, almost everybody had the Timberwolves as a playoff team this year. I actually got to see them in person last night. We talked enough about the Grizzlies last week, and and Lord knows they they got their first win forever. (laughs) Um, It's hard to keep up with every single team in the league and see them enough to really know what's – you you can read what people are writing. You can see what fans are saying. You can see what the media is saying. And then you can try to catch whatever you can – when you can't, so like I mean, I might sacrifice see, your life. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see Minnesota <laughs> all the time, but getting to see them in person um, gives you a totally different perspective, I believe, on these teams. And I got that opportunity last night with them, and I was very interested in seeing them because you know that their their record is not uh, an extremely good one. And 14 and 11. I mean, they're above 500. Yeah, Not bad. Yeah, they're, Not they're great. Five, Solid. Especially Good. given, yeah. listen, they, they haven't, they haven't sniffed 500 in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and they're Feels on a good, hell buddy. of a playoff drought. That being said, they, they're going to implement Jimmy Butler into this mix with these guys and Jeff Teague and Todd Gibson. And so I have, I have been, as you know, even with the Oklahoma city thing, like, uh, Hey, this stuff takes some time, you know, in the end, sometimes it works out. And sometimes it doesn't, you know, you might put together uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, and it works great. Or LeBron, Bosh and Wade, and it works great. Or you might put together Nash, Howard and Kobe, and it's a de- debacle, right? Like you just you, and, and, and who knows? I mean, I guess the jury is still out on how good Oklahoma City can be. But this was an interesting one because you had the two young guys that were already there. And then you had Towns. And. You will remember, and I got some heat last year for saying this, but you will remember I was in the you should trade Zach Levine camp, and this is before he tore his ACL, that when you got two really big-time guys or guys that are going to be taking a lot of your shots, 
I think you want to build around them with role players in order to build that chemistry. After watching them last night, it felt like malpractice what goes on with Towns. Yeah. I would lot, I would get value for Wiggins. I watched it and thought I would start with Butler and Towns and I'd work from there because it reminded me of so many teams I have seen, which is you can, you know, when I talked about replacing things, and if you took Wiggins out of the mix, guess what? That would just mean a lot more touches for Towns. I, You would not believe how many times they went up and down the court and he never touches the ball. It is crazy to me. Once upon a time, I covered a team. Uh, the year the Grizzlies went through the Western Conference Finals, they had Rudy Gay on the wing. And they had they still have Mike Conley, still have Marcus All. And they traded Rudy Gay. And they replaced him with Tayshaun Prince. And nobody in the free world thought that that was smart, including their coach. Except what it did is it forced Mike Conley and Marcus Alt and Zach Randolph, for that matter, to take more shots, all of which were more efficient players. And so it ended up working. The numbers went through the roof. Next thing you know, they're in the Western Conference Finals. And so on the surface, replacing Wiggins with a lesser player would be insane to people. Yet, I actually think that might be the best course of action given their personnel because I'm not sure. I don't even think it's the players, man. Really? You think it's Tibbs? I think it's all Tibbs. Look, this may come off as kind of a hot take. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it is. Maybe maybe it doesn't. But I would fire him today. What? The dude played an eight-man rotation on a back-to-back. An eight-man rotation on three games and four nights for that team. Oh, Butler played 40 the, minutes the, the, last night. The amount of minutes is a joke. You, you, Every study about health yeah. and recovery and minutes has just been utterly ignored. It's like denying climate change. That's what it's like playing these guys for that minute. So not only that, it's more than that. Yes, you are playing these guys for a ridiculous amount of minutes, but you know what else you're also doing? You're really disrupting the locker room. A lot of the guys on that bench who probably deserve to play who or thought that they may have been getting opportunity in minutes, especially when there's been injuries, and you are I I think they have I've heard rumblings that there's some chemistry issues in that locker room, maybe a little bit with guys against Towns a little bit because of his effort, maybe a little bit with some of the guys on that bench unhappy with playing time and opportunity. There's issues there. And it all, in my opinion, from what I can tell, derives from Tibbs with the usage, with the system, with the opportunity. It's just, I think it's clueless because even when he plays more than eight guys, that ninth guy and that tenth guy are getting four minutes. Like late last month when the Wizards beat the Wolves in Minnesota, the minutes all down the line, Gibson 41, Wiggins 37, Towns 40, Jones 40, Butler 38, Jang, 15, Crawford, 16, then Aaron Brooks, 8, Shabazz Muhammad, 4. The, the point is that even those deep bench guys aren't getting consistent minutes. I just think I just think it's insane. It's insane. And as long as that continues, you're putting your players at risk health-wise, but you're also, I think, harming your locker room and team chemistry. I, I just think it's an utter mess. Wow. All right, well, I'll say this. There is – forget all of the – quote, studies that you were talking about, which I know are totally relevant. And if we are going to, on one hand, laud the Spurs for the way they do things, you have to be able to criticize the way Tibbs does it. Forget all the, like, studies and the data that says this and this, which I'm sure that many would, uh, that like Tibbs, would roll their eyes at. How about the landfill of old Chicago Bulls, which yeah. are like Derrick Rose <laughs> yeah. wants to like yeah. friggin' quit. Um, Luau Deng, like he should be That's able funny, to yeah. be still viable, X, right? X and Bulls would be a yeah, pretty bad team now. <laughs> Joe Kim Noah would be like like trying to get a G League deal. <laughs> like it's you think that is not that long ago. Yeah, you're right. Like, see, and they not. were not old. Like guys like Joe Kim Noah, guys like Luau Deng, they should still be like have real careers going on yeah and maybe it's not fair to put it all at the feet of Thibodeau but it sure is a hell of a coincidence that everybody talked about running all these guys into the ground yeah and they're all having uh you know uh, less success later in their career mm. than any would have 
were expected early in their careers. Put it this way, like you, you think about the players who 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 lead the league in minutes. You know, you think LeBron. You know, DeMarcus Cousins. You think you would think Wiggins because the Wolves. You, you would think guys like Damian Lillard, right? Those names would come to mind. You would think Westbrook, right? You would think even some young guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo. Those are the guys you would imagine. I think it says it all that Minnesota has four guys in the top ten for total minutes played: Wiggins, Towns, Butler, Taj Gibson, Taj Gibson. Running him into the ground as well, it's it's just I just fail well, to crazy, understand Ta- the, the I tell logic. You, this, you watch them, Todd and Jimmy stand out like sore thumbs because they they you know those guys are real dogs. The no been good. Thib- Don't get me wrong, he's been good. No, no wonder yeah. Thibodeau loves them. Yeah, but I mean those guys are bulldogs now. They and and when you see them, I think the I think the expectation was we'll bring those guys in. And that will encourage these other guys. For sure. These these guys that were formerly not Bulldogs, these guys that were formerly not committed to the defensive end. They're going to look over and see those guys, and it's going to bring the best out of them. And <laughs> that has uh, not happened. <laughs> I th- th- hey, At least with both- Towns it hasn't. Wiggins, I think Wiggins has been better overall defensively. When I, I watched them last night, I turned, I turned to the guy sitting next to me, and I said, man, they are soft. Yeah. Both of them, like they're not about this. I mean, that you can muscle them around, and they don't want to get in the mix, and they're not trying like that. That game was that's a nip tuck game, and you see what guys are made of, right? When it comes down the stretch, and I just it was bizarre. And I'll say this on the towns thing: part of it, I believe, because I'm I, Wiggins to me's got a lot of the Rudy Gay stuff in him, right? Mm-hmm. Exceptionally talented player. I'm not sure that you're ever going to get the fierce competitor side out of him. Um, And I just felt a little too cool for school, right? Um, Towns, I am more, uh, I'm more willing to make excuses for. And part of it is because I think you see this a lot with big guys. And that is if you don't get them involved, and you don't give them touches, and they're just running 94 feet after 94 feet, You like they can become disengaged. And the more usually that they are involved offensively, the more engaged they will be defensively. And you can use that as a demerit, but it's true. And I think back most of the times, if you ever see me at games and anybody ever flips on the games, a lot – um. Most of the games I sit next to Tayshawn Prince, who works as a liaison um, with the Grizzlies. And I listened. He's obviously played forever. He was a terrific the, player. Yeah, he's awesome terrific, player. terrific player, great role player. He was also on that uh, Pistons team that won the title. And I think for every NBA fan out there, this will be an interesting thing to always keep in mind. And for yourself, too, Kev, because uh, it was for me. And that is he... He talked about getting guys like these big guys engaged in games. And he said that when he played for these old Pistons teams, he said, if you go back and watch, he said the beginning of the game and then in the at coming out of halftime that they would throw the ball to Ben Wallace. The beginning of the game, they run the play for him for Ben. And they didn't care if he threw it over the fucking backboard. They didn't care if he drove and threw it up under the rim. They didn't, they didn't care what he did. You like they're throwing the ball at him to do whatever you want. And all and he would like he'd be crazy engaged. He'd rebound, he'd block shots, he'd do everything. But they would always do that at the beginning of the at the at the game and the beginning of the half, right? So that the game doesn't get started and all of a sudden you look up and he hasn't touched it straight possessions because it's all Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups and Rasheed Wallace and whoever else. So they'd get him to touch early. And in fact, he even said, and I've, I've been meaning to check this out. He, he said, Tayshawn's story was, if you go back and watch the year they won the finals, they played against that, uh, that Lakers team that had Gary Payton and Carl Malone and whatnot and, and Kobe and Shaq, obviously. And he said, I think it was game five, he said. I can't recall. I think it was game five. And he said that they, I think they won the series in five. He said at the very beginning of the game, if you ever see it on ESPN Classic or wherever it was, they get the tip, they come down the court, 
they throw it to Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace faces up on Shaq and like it's like an 18 footer. And he said the arena, like the friggin' roof comes off. Like absolute pandemonium. And he's like, all of them looked at each other and was like, this shit is over. Like it, it was just like it was it was what was that? And and Ben Wallace had like whatever it was. It was like something like, you know, 18 points and 21 rebounds or some five blocks, something crazy. But the the whole premise is and and Ben was obviously a, a, a more limited offensive player than a lot of these guys. But you always got to pay attention with big guys. And I saw this happen with Dwight a lot in Houston. If they don't touch the ball, they may not. Like, you may lose them. And I kind of felt that. Towns took six friggin' shots at the game I was at last night. It's crazy. I mean, he's one of the best offensive centers in basketball. I mean, to, to you know, Tayshawn's point and to your point, that's true. I mean, I, I, we've heard coaches talk about that. I I believe Steve Kerr talked about that. I don't know if it was on Bill's pod or, or some other interview, but co- multiple coaches have mentioned, you know, when guys get touches, when the ball is getting shared offensively, you're more inspired to defend at the highest level you can because everybody likes to get a touch, right? Um, I, think, I think that's kind of um, human nature in some ways when it's being shared, right? The responsibility is shared when leadership is deferred throughout the team and, and that that's the issue kind of with iso ball um with, with westbrook kind of pounding the air out of the ball last season with oklahoma city and, and to an extent but, but that's kind of beside the point I, I i agree that with towns he deserves more touches um i still think it's mostly due to minutes I think you are at demanding so much that, yes, you could say, well, maybe Carl Anthony Towns needs to, needs to get into better conditioning so he can handle a 35-minute-per-game workload. Maybe that's true. And you know what? The team should account for that and not play him that long. I think if you, maybe maybe you can get more out of Carl Anthony Towns if you're playing him for 30 minutes per game, more so than you do for playing him for 35 minutes per game. I, I just think the whole everything they're doing is completely twisted. I think they have they have more than enough talent. You're right. They have some flawed personnel on that team, and their roster construct is kind of whack, but they still have some talent. Like Shabazz Muhammad is not a bad player. You have a guy who excelled last year in the G League in Marcus George's Hunt, who I think deserves at least an extended look, deserves a little bit of an opportunity, and these guys aren't getting it at all. You have a G Leaguer in Anthony Brown who is killing it this year. No opportunity, even when you call him up on his two-way contract. No opportunity despite the fact that injuries have opened up those chances. Instead, he just trims the rotation. He, it, it, that's, that's really my whole issue here. It's like you are just running these guys into the ground, and it's barely December right now. <laughs> Save this heavy workload fair. for the playoffs. I, I, think, I think all these are issues. The minutes is an issue. The personnel yeah. is an issue. And, and what does it point back to? It points back to Tibbs. That's really the, well, the root defensively, of the problem here. Defensively, it's personnel, Kev. It just and, that, and that's because tense. yes, there is a limit to how good you can possibly be defensively. Look, you know, if any really good defensive team, look at who their point guard is. Look who their center is, right? Because you've got the front line of the defense and the back line of the defense. Because if you've got a point guard that can consistently get beat off the dribble, it just breaks down everything and sends everybody scrambling all the time. And the answer that they have is Jeff Teague up top Teague and Carl Towns down low. And so you you face virtually no resistance on either end. Even Jamal Crawford, you know, no, 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 another, another negative defender. Towns should be way better than he is. I mean, that's kind yes. of a Captain Obvious statement right here. But he was he was a really good defender um, in college at Kentucky. And I wrote about this about a couple of weeks back where it's like, all the flaws that he had then when it came to decision making, when it came to like biting for pump fakes, falling into foul trouble, losing focus off ball, all those were issues for him in college. And the fact that they still are, the, the tough part to know is like, is that part is that due to his inability to pick up on new concepts? Is it due to the fact that he's still young and he still needs to get adjusted to the speed and making reads on defense? Or is it maybe perhaps due to the fact that he's tired on that end of the floor? I, maybe it's all three. Um, and chances are it probably is all three to an extent. Uh, it's just disappointing because it's it's so interesting looking back when, when Flip Saunders um, – at the time, 
uh, introduced Towns, he mentioned how he's a guy who could like transform their defense. And that's, that's kind of been the opposite of what happened. Towns has become a star scorer and a poor defender. In year three, his defense has not gotten any better. And, and that's scary. Mm-hmm. Whereas all those other guys have gotten better uh, on the defensive end of the floor. Porzingis still isn't isn't necessarily great. I mean, he's great defensively, but he's he's much better than Towns is on that end. And, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, oh my God, he oh. is unbelievable on defense. That team should be better than it is. Minnesota. But yes, them and oh, Milwaukee. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. And, and guess and guess what? Some of the issues go to both coaches, Jason Kidd and Tom Thibodeau. Old school guys too. Jason Kidd. I, I know yes. the article I wrote on the Ringer yesterday about the Bucks. Um, in that I mentioned he he didn't change the scheme. And really, what what I mean is that they made a they made some adjustments in that Portland game where they played more conservatively, but. Overall, ever since they got Eric Bledsoe, they haven't changed the scheme. Um, they they haven't completely overdone everything. They haven't overhauled what they were doing. They're still blitzing at the beginning of games to, I think, an extent that gets them in trouble. They're, they're still doing that way too much. They need to play more conservatively. I think I think the solutions are kind of not obvious with Milwaukee, but the solutions are there that should at least be experimented with. And they are starting to do that a little bit more over the past week. So with them, hopefully, hopefully with Milwaukee, you see them start to play a little bit more conservatively on defense. And then hopefully with Minnesota, at some point, hopefully, uh, Thibodeau. Someone needs to have an intervention with him. Like, play these guys. I mean, you're it's, having, you're having, yeah. you're having old school coaches with new school players. It's it's <laughs> interesting to think about in both conferences, given the way that these teams have played at least thus far through the twenty something games. It's totally possible that these teams that are like five through eight could. I know that Bill for many years talked about, you know, could you in the playoffs series have the best guy on the court. And it's totally possible that, like, the lower seeds, Joel Embiid could be the best player on the floor in a playoff game against anybody. Giannis could be the best player in a playoff game against anybody. John Wall could be the best player in a playoff game. Porzingis, if they were able to get there, right? And then even in the West, Carl Towns or a Jimmy Butler or... Anthony Davis or Boogie, you know, if if the, the Pelicans could get there, obviously Oklahoma City, at least right now, they're a, they're not a top four seed. So I think in this bizarre way, you could have a lot of these teams, at least the way it's shaking out now, that are bottom four seeds in either conference, which very well may have the best player on the floor in the series. Now their team may not be as good, but like if that's if that does matter that that could be the case. And I think that's part of why we're saying that these teams may have underwhelmed us a little bit. Like they underwhelm a little bit, but in the end, like Russell Westbrook might be playing like as a, you know what I mean? Like a bottom four seed in in the playoffs and and same with Embiid and same with Porzingis and same with Giannis and same with Carl Towns or Jimmy Butler. I mean, a lot of talent spread out now. You know, it's like you can try so hard and get so far, but in the end, it doesn't even matter. Oh God, is that your is that your tribute, your homage to Chester? Rest I mean, in peace. you you said rest in peace. Said, yeah, you said in the end, so the song just came to mind. Rest in peace, Chester. I, I, I get it in my head right now. Yeah. All right, rest let me touch peace. on a couple other things before we've got to give out our quarter season awards or who we would vote for now. Um, we at the beginning of the season, you wrote. Um, early in the season that like, hey, yeah, this Magic team is way better than we ever thought they would be, but you got to take a deep dive into their stats and realize that the whole damn team is shooting like 70% from three, right? Yeah. So yeah. there, there's one thing to have regression to the mean. They have like bottomed out. Like we all thought Orlando was going to suck, and then it started the season and they didn't suck, and now you look up and guess what? They suck. Right. So. Yeah. I, I got to correct you on one thing, Chris. They were, they were actually shooting over 9,000% from three. <laughs> I know. Oh, they were like, I, I remember looking at it, it was like Aaron Gordon was shooting like 65% from three on like high volume. I was like, wait, okay, <laughs> that's not sticking. <laughs> right. But they have really bottomed out. The flip side is Charlotte is the team that beat them last night. Dwight yeah. has not been bad. Kev. He's been pretty good. He's pretty good, man. He's pretty good. I'm I'm enjoying Dwight. He's um he he's he's somebody who 
I know a lot of people love to root against him for obvious reasons, but at the same time, it's nice seeing Dwight play well. I mean, he had that crossover and it escapes me who it was against last week. He had a crossover from the, the left block where he just quick crossover right into a dunk. And I was like, ah, vintage Dwight Howard. It was just beautiful to watch that. It's been fun. I mean, Charlotte's fine. They're they're a good team. It's nice having Batum back. Um, hopefully for them, they can kind of get back to where maybe people expected them to be as a six seven seed. But ultimately, it's just been fun watching Dwight. Um, I, I wish we saw more Malik Monk. That's that's one disappointment I have with that team. Here's the weird thing: for so many years, whether they had a really good team or not, you could find that a Utah team or a Denver team that these teams would have really good home records, and then their road record wouldn't be uh, nearly as good, right? But that is not how we have viewed Charlotte, and they have the craziest situation. They are 8-3 and three in home games. They are 1-10 on the road. Hmm. Wow. They're 1-10 away from Charlotte. It, I don't think we've ever considered the home court advantage in Charlotte to be, right, like insurmountable. Yet they have this, like, really good home record, 1-10. in 10. You know who's been really good for that team? Jeremy Lamb. He, he's really taken a step up for that team. And I think, uh, in a way, what he's doing is probably what a lot of people expected Malik Monk to do as a rookie. Um, like 15 points a game, you know, spacing the floor. His three-point percentage has dropped a little bit over the past week or so. Um, but Jeremy Lamb's Jeremy Lamb has been really good. Um, I hope at some point they begin integrating Malik Monk for his scoring off the bench rather than Michael Carter-Williams, who really is a zero on offense, um, who's exclusively in there for his defense. I've always um, kind of felt bad for Jeremy Lamb because it ain't his fault that he was put in that stupid-ass James Harden trade. You know, the expectation at the time was, wow, maybe they would have gotten a, you know, like they – like maybe they got a big steal in in Lamb, and he wasn't that, right? And they were never going to get the proper value for James Harden. But I think at the time there was this expectation like maybe he could grow into something extremely special. And then when he – I thought that was quite a burden, you know, to be the young guy with all the potential in the Harden trade. And it's turned out, yeah, he's not – he ain't on some kind of, you know, all-star, superstar level, but he's pretty damn good. Definitely solid. Yeah. You know who All else right. has been good, Chris Vernon? Who? Donovan Mitchell. Don't tell me. I'm like a hipster when it comes to Donovan Mitchell now, right? <laughs> I was there before all y'all. I, was, I, I mean, like, now y'all like Donovan Mitchell? It's like really? that one indie band that you discovered before everyone yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. Like, now, y- now y'all like, uh, like oh, oh, you started liking the uh, Bare Naked Ladies when one week came out, huh? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, or when, you know, when, oh, you know Hook by Blues Traveler. Like, I've been listening to Blues Traveler for, like, 20 years, right? Oh, really? Like, now you're a fan of Chance the Rapper. I saw him in concert yeah. but on his first American tour in 2013. Oh. No. Back in his mixtape days. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, acid I rap. Saw, I saw, I, right, I, I saw acid rap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but Donovan Mitchell. So once upon a time, Kevin, we were in Las Vegas for Summer League. And that was all in on Donovan Mitchell. In fairness, I happened to see him two or three different times. One of which was in this Jazz Grizzlies Summer League game. The guy has like 38 points and no shit, like 10 steals. It looked like somebody had taken a 10-time NBA All-Star and just like thrown him in the middle of a summer league game. He was so much better than everybody else. It was ridiculous. Like, I mean, it was like, it was seriously like if you said, hey, uh, hey, Kobe, go play in that summer league game. <laughs> and it was like, okay, this guy is just so much better than everybody else out here. It's embarrassing. He's He was just like ripping the ball away from people like Kawhi. And then he was scoring every damn time he touched the ball, going to the rack, knocking down threes. So I may have seen like the greatest game he, the kids ever played. But I walked out of that arena and I'm like, Jesus. Like, I mean, because every, everybody was already buzzing about Tatum. Everybody was already buzzing about uh, Dennis Smith Jr. from Dallas. But this Mitchell was out of his mind. And I, I, re, I remember tweeting out at the time, you know, I was happy for Utah fans because it was so crushing when they lost Hayward, right? Yeah. But like, hey, here's the new guy to buy the jersey of. Here's some new hope. And I'll be damned if he he's like, 
he's now teetering on must-see TV because – I think we all thought it was going to be Dennis Smith every night that we would see the the you know the videos come across you know every <laughs> night when you're just scrolling through Twitter and the highlight videos come through it feels like every damn night I'm seeing a friggin' Donovan Mitchell one. I, I had Mitchell ranked tenth in uh, the Ringers NBA draft guide and and I'm looking back at that and I'm like damn like why you know why not have him even higher like ten was pretty high you know yeah. compared to what a lot of people had him and it's like. I'm just looking back. I'm like, you know, self-assessing. Why did I not have him he- ahead of Malik Monk? Why did I not have him ahead of Frank Nilikina? You know, what was my what was the logic behind that? You know, looking back, and it's and it's frustrating in a way. You know, I'm sure teams do this. You know, to an even greater extent. Like, why why did we not? What did we miss in him? And I mean, Nuggets traded him yeah, on they, draft night. Yeah, I mean, with Denver, it's like from what I've heard is they traded down hoping to still get OG Ananobi. That's the guy that they wanted according to people that, that I've talked to. And I guess they just missed out. Toronto took him one pick before. I, it was a calculated risk. They shouldn't have done it, you know, in, in hindsight. I get well, it. Well, and, and I had a guy, I goofed on them trading down, right? And I was like, try to explain that. And I had a guy hit me up on Twitter last week, and he was like, yeah, well, they already had so-and-so. They already had Gary Harris, and they already had this, and they already had that. And, and I'm like, listen, you know. hey, you know what they need? They need talent. And <laughs> I'm telling you, once upon a time, the Portland Trailblazers looked and said, we already got a two-guard in Clyde Drexler. We don't need Jordan. Right? <laughs> so they took a big guy. Right? Like, I'm not saying this guy, you just passed on Jordan, but I am saying <laughs> that, Donovan Mitchell's going to be the GOAT, not LeBron James. I'm just saying, you can't trade that shit for Trey Lyles. Yeah, Trey Lyles. <laughs> I mean, Trey Lyles is solid, but I, I, get, I get the risk that they took, but they shouldn't have done it. They should, if, you, if you want the guy, whether it's OG Ananobi or Mitchell, whoever it was that they actually wanted there, just take the guy there. I don't think Lyles is enough to risk losing him, especially, like, I heard rumblings that Toronto wanted OG Ananobi, so it wasn't really much of a surprise that they got him at that point. I, I, didn't, I, just, didn't, I just didn't think OG would slide that far. It's crazy in that range. You think about you think about guys around the league, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. For sure. I mean, this kid looks like I mean, you're talking like that that teen range. You've had we have had some like not stars, but like in this kid again, not crowning him a superstar yet, but if you you I mean, this is the stock to have is this kid because if he doesn't become an NBA all-star, I will be stunned. I mean, he's already awesome. Already. And he's got everything. He's got, like, the athleticism. He shoots the hell out of the ball. He can dunk on anybody. He's just we got to see, like, at what level his shooting really is. I mean, I think that—I I love Mitchell. You know, I, I'm a—like like you, like you, I love Mitchell. But, like, just to play devil's advocate here, I mean, nope. we, we do need to find out what level of a shooter he really is. Ball handling still needs to, to improve, you know, more— but certainly the start he's on confirms a lot of the, the positives that we saw prior to the draft. And ultimately, that's the most important thing, that he's defending, that he's been pretty good in pick and roll, that he's able to drive to the rim and transition and the half court, that he is shooting at a good level. All of that's great. And and it, it's it's remarkable to see well, him doing it this way. And, and anybody, anybody could go back and listen to the episodes we did in Summer League <laughs> talking about him. And I recall I told two different stories about an NBA scout that I was talking to there when you're talking about the shooting, that Rick Pitino told him that's the best shooter he's ever had and that when the scout went to their practice, when he went there, he went to go check out a Louisville practice, that after the practice, Donovan Mitchell walked up to him, introduced himself, and then asked him, what do I need to work on for the next level? And he was like, I was just blown away. Like the like yeah. you, kids don't do that. Yep. Like evidently ev- everything you heard about the kid was great. And then he was obviously playing his ass off. And so he's an unbelievable kid too. Yeah. You know, great kid. Awesome kid. I feel happy for uh jazz. And by the way, we thought the jazz were dead without Gobert, So we owe them a big apology because mm. they have kicked the shit out of like six teams now. <laughs> and Gobert's coming back too. He came back last night. Okay, yeah, that's right. He came back last night. Yeah, yep. in the last, but like in the last like two weeks, Kevin, they've beaten like six teams by like thirty something points. Yeah, last night they won by forty seven. <laughs> <laughs> they blasted them. <laughs> they've embarrassed quite a few teams now at the Utah Jazz. So big credit to them, and obviously, uh, kudos to Donovan Mitchell. One other thing on NBA news that I did want to touch on you real quick is we had spoken about 
you know, you were ready to blow the Clippers up after the Blake injury. Yep. Gallinari, they sent down to the G League. They're going to try to get him some action. The DeAndre stuff has come up to the forefront. And that he could be a guy that could get moved somewhere possibly or that he would be interested maybe in getting moved somewhere. What do you think? I have a trade proposal for you. All right. Would you do this trade if you're Milwaukee and if you're the L.A. Clippers? It's DeAndre Jordan for Jabari Parker, John Henson, and a lottery-protected 2020 first-round pick from the Bucks, which would convey two years after the 2018 pick that they're currently already sending out. So it would probably be 2020. Would you do that trade if you're the no. Bucks or the Clippers? I would not do it if I'm the Bucks. But you would if you're the Clippers? Yes. Okay. So why wouldn't you do it if you're the Bucks? Uh, because I don't have that high an opinion of of DeAndre Jordan. We're, we're on the same page. This is boring. I was hoping you would be like, yes, yeah. I would do it. <laughs> I, I mean, I listen. I've seen too many coaches have to take him off. Like when the stakes get the highest, yeah, you got to take him off the damn court. Look, it, he he would help their defense. It, it, he would absolutely help their defense, and and maybe it's a gamble that they should take. But you know what? I wouldn't take it because Jabari's great. With the way the NBA is being played right now, you can't render him useless. He is not a guy that is going to pummel you offensively no matter what. Like, no that's doubt. not happening. Okay? No doubt. And he's also going to get fouled every damn time down the stretch. Mm-hmm. So he becomes a demerit, right? Him, and, and then defensively, you got so many guys that are now playing five that are standing maybe 18 feet from the basket. And the problems that plagued the Clippers for years with spacing issues with yeah. Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan also would apply to the Bucks. You know, you're taking space away from Giannis, and Giannis can shoot threes better than Blake could for for the past four or five years or so. But he's still not a great three point shooter, so they would have severe spacing issues on the offensive end of the floor. I, I, the, the tweaks need to come internally. The league has really gone the wrong way on these guys, like the the DeAndres and the. And the and the, and the Dwight's and I mean you can you can still play those guys though I mean look at the Rockets you need you need to put them in the right role that that's what it needs to be but Capella can switch onto anybody Capella can stay in front of guards DeAndre can too to an extent I he's mean, he, a and Capella is a rim runner like that's kind of weight but he is like a he's fast and he like he can fly up and down the court and, and he's not a garbage free throw shooter either he used and to he's be not a, but he's not right. anymore. He's not a garbage free throw shooter. And I just feel like the league has gone away from these guys that cannot dribble, cannot pass, cannot shoot. I can't believe this slander against my guy, DJ. Oh, I can't Come on, Isaac. It. I can't believe Come it. On. Hey, can, you, can you at least give me one of the skills, like pass, <laughs> dribble, or shoot? Like one of them? He can defend, man. He can dunk. Yeah. He can defend. That's what he's good oh, at. Stop. This is an NBA jam. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 would you feel comfortable giving for DJ, or would you just not even want him at all? Because the one factor that gets overlooked with him, and a lot with a lot of co- trade conversations for that matter, is money contracts. And with DeAndre Jordan, like, sure, if you're the Cavaliers, if you're a Cavaliers fan, you can say, oh, it'd be great to trade Tristan Thompson in the Nets pick for DeAndre Jordan. Well, first of all, it wouldn't be nice, but second of all, it's like, yes, you're paying DeAndre Jordan. $35 million a max contract rather than paying Thompson what he gets around 16 or 17, I believe. Um, the money is significant. And I I would just rather, if I'm the Bucks, invest in whatever Parker's going to cost you. I'm just not crazy about the what he brings to the table for me when the stakes are the highest, Kev. Like, I mean, if I'm playing Boston or I'm playing Cleveland or I'm playing Houston or I'm playing Golden State, like, yeah. okay, so if I'm playing San Antonio, I want him. Those other four, I mean. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't really I'm care. With you. And he could walk this summer. Yeah, he could walk. Yeah, there's no guarantees that he would ever re-up, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I, I think I think if you're trading for him, you probably have an idea um, of what he's going to do. But at the same time, there's never any guarantees. And that's why, I, by the way, like, I think it's outrageous. People are devaluing that Nets pick. And, and thinking that Cleveland should ever put that on the table for DeAndre Jordan, that is that is desperate. If you're giving that up, you don't need to do that. <laughs> you really don't. You, if anything, you you what Cleveland needs to do is start thinking about building a sustainable winner. And the way to do that is is if they're able to add a really good young player and a rookie contract who can turn into something in a couple of years or even as a rookie, 
that's what you need to, I think, be appealing to LeBron. Not a $35 million center who can't stay on the floor at the end of games. All right, Kev, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to give our quarter season awards, MVP, Coach of the Year, all of the awards uh, as we are about, we're a little over a quarter of the way through this season. So we'll give out our awards on the other side after these words. Today's podcast brought to you by ZipRecruiter. What if hiring could be easier, more streamlined, and less time-consuming? So even when you're busy, you could still be smart about the way you hire. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job on over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. So you can rest easy knowing your job is going to be seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. No wonder 80% of employers who use ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer. One more time, go try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer. Show also brought to you by SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better, simpler way to buy. With SeatGeek, with their seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available, too. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Enter the promo code RINGERNBA. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks once you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code RINGERNBA today. All right, Kev, we're not going to give out every single award, but we are going to give out the three major ones, uh, which are MVP, Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year. And this is, uh, I'll tell you that Tim Bontemps from the Washington Post reached out to me over the weekend um, and was kind of doing a straw poll of who the MVP was as of right now. And he made me give him five guys. You want me to tell you who my five were? Yes, sir. Please do. This is what I gave. He said he wanted me to do it in order. And this, because I like Tim, I actually put some thought into it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This was my list, one through five. And this is not at the end of the season what I think is going to happen. This is if I'm given the award right now, what is my ballot? Harden, LeBron, Kyrie, Curry, Giannis. That's what I did. Mine to Tim was Harden, LeBron, Giannis, Durant, Curry. And I think I would tweak that slightly and put Kyrie at four or five. I'm not sure. Um, But Kyrie's really exploded on offense recently. So we agree on Harden, though. Harden, LeBron, one, two. Oh, okay. And and I also think that there's going to be there. There's certainly the sentiment that carries over from last year. I, I know he's got they've got the best record right now anyway. But there were a lot of people, yourself included, to believe that Harden was worthy of that award last year. Should have won it. Yeah. Should have won so it now, instead of some double-digit award or whatever. Oh, stop. Yeah. Come on. It's true. Come on. The Russell hates, who, the, who, the Russell hates who, a little some, extreme. Someone, I forget who it was, said if Russell Westbrook had like 9.9 instead of 10, he wouldn't win. That says everything you need to know about that. that there, there, that's there, ridiculous, there, there too. Some, there was some stat recently, and I, I forget the player, um, but it, it was it was an interesting stat. It was actually a really cool stat from ESPN Stats on Twitter, and it was something like, oh, yeah, it was James Harden. It was he fell short of becoming the first player since whoever it was. I think it might have been like Oscar Robertson to average 35 points and 10 rebound, 10 assists in a month whatever it was and it's like great he had 9.9 what a failure he didn't do it but he might be the first to ever to average 35 and 9.9 since him it's just it's silly how round numbers matter it is also silly that your presumptive mvp last year took a gigantic shit with his entire season on the line yeah but then we're talking about the playoffs it's a regular season award (laughs) 
It's an MVP. It's a re- it's a regular I, season I get, award. No, oh, stop. When I, uh, listen, we're like offices of the spectrum here. When I'm talking about winning, 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 I'm talking about playoffs is all that matters. When we're talking about awards, playoffs are irrelevant. It doesn't matter at all. And if it does matter, I don't know how it could matter because votes are cast before the playoffs begin. I want to. <laughs> I want. To, all right, fine. I just want to remind you, Kevin, that Kevin Durant agreed with me at how shitty that Oklahoma City team was without <laughs> Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah. Katie does agree. I'm glad we know that. <laughs> so me and Kevin Durant are on the same page, and that's why I believed Russell Westbrook was deserving. Not because of the round numbers, but because I believed yeah. that team was trash without him, and he is the only reason that they were playing. That team would have been much better than a 47-win team if Russell Westbrook was more willing to play off-ball, if Russell Westbrook was more willing to play defense, if Billy Donovan were, were able to install his system, that team would have been better than it was. You can knock the talent if you want to. It wasn't great, but it wasn't horrific either. And by the way, if we're talking playoffs, the Oklahoma City Thunder lost to the Rockets in the first round 4-1, to one, so... Mm-hmm. Did you see Westbrook lay down? Why do, Why are we talking about the playoffs? It's irrelevant. We're talking about awards. You're a Russ hater. I'm, I'm not a Russ. I'm not, listen, Russ listen let, me, let me say this, okay? Let me say I got to say this. I'm not a Russ hater, Chris. Russ is a remarkable player who has developed into a superstar. He has really turned so many of his weaknesses into strengths and enhanced many of his strengths into even greater strengths. He he is unfreaking believable. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best talents we have. And when when I knock him or others knock him, really in my eyes, it's just a testament to how great he is and how much cons- how he's constantly gotten better and knowing that there's still another level. There's still more. So the fact like I and other uh, whoever else, you know, it, it, are asking more of him, I don't think you'd be asking that of another player. But you do ask it of Westbrook because of how great he's become because you know there's more there. You know there's that he's capable of more. So it's it's not a knock. It's not being a hater. It's like this dude can be even better than he already is. It's It's a desire for more out of him. Like LeBron James, if somebody knocked his shooting – Guess what? He improved his free throw shooting and his three-point percentage this season. And guess what? He's even better than he was before. It's it's really about asking for more from people that I think it's, that it's fair to ask more from. Me and you are on the same page when it comes to hard. You know what? I'm changing my ballot. I, I've got Westbrook one. <laughs> uh, I, they're, they're, yeah. they're there, but they're 10 and 12. <laughs> Uh, uh. Yeah. Without them, they would be 0-22, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that team would have been a lot better, though, if Oladipo were able to, to get more opportunity last year. If, if I don't know, man. They could have been better. If Sabonis were able to get more opportunity. That team would have been better. Look at those guys in the Pacers now, man. Mm-hmm. They're thriving. Yep. You also wonder if they would have been better if they would not have made. I know this sounds crazy, but if they had not have made the Carmelo acquisition. Mm. because they have it, the, it. it is one thing to try to fit all those three guys together and have them be great simultaneously, right? We knew that was always going to be a challenge. But I think what we didn't discuss enough was what was going to be the impact that it had on the rest of that roster. And frankly, the rest of that roster is horrendous. Once you get past Steven Adams, like, I mean, you know, I was a Patrick Patterson fan. He has been as bad as you, like G League level bad. You have nothing. It's Jeremy Grant, Raymond Felton, Roberson, Alex Abrams, uh, Dakari Johnson, Pat Patterson, Josh Hustis, Nick Collison. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, they got no depth, none. So would you be better off? What was it? Who else they give up besides Enos? Doug, Dougie Fresh, Doug McDermott. I think I'd rather have that, huh? I don't know. I'd rather. In have, terms of fit, I'd rather have Melo. I, I, I still think it's they're capable. In of terms more. of fit, they're they're capable of more. That team, 
will it come? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe Paul George leaves. Maybe Paul George leaves and Carmelo decides to opt out and get a longer term contract. And then they're right back to where they began, except in a worse spot. Maybe that happens. But I still, I wouldn't give up on this team at all. They have, they have a heck of a no, lot of No, I'm not giving up on them. Yeah, I'm of just saying not. that yeah, their, yeah. Depth, I, I, I their think depth is trash. It's maybe a little bit, it's like, it's not good. <laughs> but Patrick Patterson can kind of, could, could, could get better than he is now. Um, oh no! The, the, he made no. The, listen, I'm I, I was I'm the biggest Patterson fan in the world. I thought that was a huge steal and an amazing signing. And I am so done with him. He has been atrocious. Mm. <laughs> I'm done with him. All right, Coach of the Year. Uh, all right, so we both give Harden the MVP. Yep. Coach of the Year, Brad Stevens. Uh, Brad Stevens, yep. right? Yeah, like Brad Stevens, no doubt. It's a bloodbath too, right? right? Between Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens, or Brad Stevens. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you probably get some. There might be some Stan Van love. I mean, if you're there, talking about who there, is there a should, I, I mean, yeah, Popovich yeah. should too. Yeah, yeah, sure. He'll get some votes. Uh, I'd I'd be surprised if, if if like Brad didn't win that award unless the team falls off a cliff. But Brad Stevens easily right. should be. And then Rookie of the Year, I think as of today, you've got to give it to Simmons, right? Yep. But this could be a blood war there at the end because Tatum has has been out of his mind shooting from three. Donovan Mitchell has taken this massive step up in the last two weeks. You obviously, like, Lonzo has played like crap, but you never, would it surprise you if we look up and maybe for the month of February, Lonzo has, like, an amazing month? Like, I wouldn't be shocked by that. I wouldn't. For sure. I mean, you know, it's Simmons, and, yeah, and it's, it's remarkable what he's doing without being able to shoot the ball. It, it's it's kind of like what I said about Westbrook. Like, Westbrook, you know, is capable of more with Simmons. Like, the whole thing with, you know, his shooting handedness, it's like he's so great already. It, it's really just a, a testament to his greatness as a rookie. Like, you know, you know that he's already maybe a top 25 player in the league so far this season, right? He might, he might not be if you consider past performance, but so far this season, he's a top 25, top 30 guy. And that's only at 21 years old without being able to shoot the ball, shooting with the wrong hand. It's fascinating. Um, he, he's been exciting to watch. If anything, like, it's almost more interesting who's going to be the second or third guy for, for Rookie of the Year, whether it's Tatum or Mitchell or Kuzma. Oh, wow. I forgot about Kuzma. We got some good-ass rookies, man, don't we? That Dennis Smith, what if Dennis Smith, you know, explodes, right? He could he could come on strong, right, more so than he already is. There, there's some, it is wild because you gotta really remember. I mean, you take a, you take a step back. No, I mean, no, no disrespect to the guy because I think he's he's a really, you know, he's a nice NBA piece to have. But like Malcolm Brogdon would not have broke the top five this year. Yeah, I know. Like, there's no, there's no yeah, way. This right? class is awesome. This class is. I'm talking about the what rookie of the year. I'm talking about for that voting. Like Brogdon won last year, and. If you slid him into this year and vote, oh, for on sure. It. I mean, I mean, we we yeah, just listed like five guys, and we didn't even mention guys like Lowry Markinen, right? Who who also is deserving of votes as well. Uh, Do we have to apologize to him yet? I mean, I, I think I already did apologize when I uh, <laughs> on a podcast. I think I I did I apologize on a podcast. No, I'm not sure. Not. I know I I know I did on the website and on Twitter and on Reddit. Um, I did it on all, all those places. So just to make sure, just to make sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it here too that I, I just for background on. On draft night, um, uh, on draft night, we were grading all the picks, right? And for the Lowry Markinen pick, I gave it an F plus, <laughs> and and like the grade was really for the trade. I but that was a mistake on my part. I should have just traded the pick. And if it were a pick, it would have been like a C minus, and a C minus still would be too low, right? All right. So with Lowry Markinen, I mean, he's been no. much better than expected. Kev, here's what I'm saying. Um, still got hey. a long way to go. Stick to your guns. Don't get to apologize on everywhere yet. I'm apologizing. Low- Lowry, don't. Low- no, I'm the one talking you out of it. Low- I'm saying Lowry's don't better. No, no, because it matters. It's okay to be wrong. There's nothing wrong. There's things oh, to learn. God, Kevin, let it's me just right. explain something to you. What? Hey, listen, I could play anybody in the free world minutes in the NBA that has some level of requisite talent, and they can get me numbers. I'm sorry. They're, they've won three friggin' games. I don't care. 
I don't care what numbers he's putting up. It doesn't matter. It's inconsequential oh, to me. For sure. And I mean, like if, if we're if we're slandering Larry Markinen, his numbers have been down the past month. Shoot, shooting b- b- below 30% from three since November 1st. I was trying to talk you out of apologizing. That's um, what I was trying to do. Look, Lowry's been much better than expected. Um, he's, I mean, he kind of transformed his body a little bit, rebounding the ball better. My, my cons- look, here, I'm just going to say this about Lowry Market. I'm rambling for no reason. But Lowry, I like, I liked Lowry Market as a prospect, which is why I had him ranked 13th, right? It's just I loved everybody else so much more in the top 10, including guys like Mitchell, guys like Malik Monk, including Frank Nilikina. Like those guys I felt were deserving ahead of Markinen because kind of tie this back to what we talked about with the playoffs. I don't know if Larry Markinen will be a guy that really propels you to that next level deep into the playoffs based on the state of today's league with the spacing and with the need for perimeter defense. And maybe he will be, and I hope I'm dead wrong because I, because I like the, I like him a lot. I was but, gonna, uh, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry it, that you've gone on the internet. I'm and sorry you've gone for on Reddit. <laughs> and you've, gone, you've, you've written the telegram and you've, every, you wrote Santa and apologized. Yeah, I did. For, I actually you, just sent that out this morning. Literally. I did. If, if I you've did. apologized to everybody. And I'm, I'm saying, boy, you got to stick to your guns and let this play out because hey. allow me to remind you that Michael Carter Williams put up damn near triple double yeah, every night playing his yeah. first year. No, no, uh, he stunk. No, numbers were overrated. That's why they traded him. That's why I'm saying it's. I don't care what kind of numbers hey, the guys. And when up. I apologize for Lowry Marketing, I'm really apologizing for the for the F plus. I'm not apologizing for my evaluation of him because I feel like that was quite sound. To be honest, I do. I feel good about the that. The other thing is that that was part of the Jimmy Baller trade. Give me a break. Yeah, I mean, and we'll that, see how that works out. You know, worse. Chris Chris Dunn has looked solid. You know, he's had some yeah, moments yeah. for them. We'll see how Levine looks when he gets back. Um, that hopefully that trade works out for the best for them. Um, but I'm not convinced. Well, I'm, I'm still down on the trade. Yeah. Whereas the uh, the George trade looks better. There's mm-hmm. no way around yeah, it. It does. Yeah. I'll be writing about that for yeah. next Ola week. Oladipo's going to be a damn all-star. Yeah, I'll, I'll be writing about that sometime next week. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Have a great week, buddy. I'll hey, talk to you next week. Hey, you week. too, Vernon. That was fun. Thanks for listening to another Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next week. Support for today's show came from Hotel Tonight, an awesome app for finding and booking great deals at great hotels. No crashing on an air mattress in your childhood bedroom this year. Instead, lock down your holiday plans with Hotel Tonight. Book a room up to seven days in advance everywhere and up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities. Or wait until the last minute if that's more your speed. You can take a break when Uncle Tony starts talking politics. Whether you need a room tonight, the holidays, or beyond, you definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app.